from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Always proud to have you here every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Set that dial, get it ready, and anywhere you go, however... Wherever you are, the internet is everywhere now. So wherever you're listening, Wi-Fi, on the da- whatever data, 4G, 5G, 8G, 12G, whatever it is at this point, thank you for tuning into the show. You can listen in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora from anywhere in the world by going to the homepage of wakeupcalldt.com. You can also go to mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. And the archive on wakeupcalldt.com of over 1,000 shows is available to you. You can listen on Spotify. Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, YouTube, and so on and so forth. So make sure that you take the time to listen in to the show and listen back to your favorites as well as anything you may have missed. So thank you to everybody that's tuning in. Today we got a jam-packed show. I'm excited about how we're starting this thing off and how we're carrying it through. Jason Leone, Oswego State Lakers men's basketball head coach, joining me right here in one second. And then from there, Eric Cerrone, of the OCC Lasers men's basketball program will be joining the show. And then from that moment, we'll go into the second hour of the broadcast speaking on the national championship and how what you guys thought. We had so many people vote, a lot of people who sent in their predictions. So we're going to get into all of that. And did I get the game right? Did I choose the right team? We'll talk about that as well at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And we'll finish off the show with the ingredients to success. Proudly brought to you by Utica Pete's Company, and it's a Utica thing. So plenty coming up here on the broadcast, and we're starting it off with Jason Leone, no stranger to the show from Oswego State and this Lakers men's basketball program. With that being said, Jason, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. Enjoyed the game last night. Awesome game. Um, you know, and uh, happy to be on the show this morning. Absolutely. And, and, and when you go back to that game, and I, and I figured that you watched it, I know you're a, a sports fan of, of all different all different pieces of the sports world. What did you think about the game? I mean, Clemson, I mean, it was back and forth. Tua Tagovailoa made a mistake at the beginning of the game, and Clemson scored. There's 14 points scored between the two teams in less than three minutes to start the game. It's a, it, it feels a little bit like a seesaw. Alabama finally takes the lead 16-14, to 14, and then all of a sudden, after that, the doors blew completely open on this game, and it was all Clemson from there. Well, I thought it was an incredible effort uh, by Clemson. Uh, they were clearly very focused, and you know, I think it's a hard thing in sports. You know, I, you know, Alabama has been so uh, dominant, and uh, not only throughout this year, but throughout the last decade in college football. Um, I think that's really a challenge for Nick Saban year after year to keep the guys grounded, and then. I've always felt it's easier to be playing as an underdog than it is as the favorite. And now Clemson's going to shift roles and they're going to have to deal with all that going into next year, you know, where everybody's going to be, um, you know, just, uh, 
telling their guys how great they are and they're going to be dominant at the beginning of last year to sustain that throughout the year. I mean, look, at both those teams are clearly the best two teams. I, I watch a lot of sports and television and, and shows like yours. And you know, the fact that uh, you know people are insinuating that it gets old watching the two best teams play every year, I think that's ludicrous. Um, you know, So I, I thought it was an incredible game. Clemson did a great job. Uh, I don't think it was at all an admonishment on you know alabama i thought it was more about clemson and how well they played you know i think they really shocked uh alabama with their their talent level and how well they 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 had the ability to play so uh unbelievable performance for sure and you know just some crazy things that are that are here right now and like you said, you know, it's not an admonishment of, of Alabama so much as it, as it is, you know, praising Clemson and what they did. One of the top ten trending things right now on Twitter, and we all know that Twitter can get a little bit interesting, but one of the top trending things is the hashtag Fire Saban. Nick Saban, to me, could never be fired even if he had a terrible year. This is the thing. But see, this, this is how I look at it. Okay, Syracuse is happy to go to a bowl game. They're elated that they've won 10 games. They're happy that they beat their rival. They're just happy to be back in the postseason. And then when you are a fan base that wins all the time, you know, you lose one game. You go 15-1. and one, Or, pardon me, 14-1. and one. You go 14-1. and one, You lose the national championship. You're in the national championship all the way through. I mean, from the institution of the college football playoff, you're in the college football playoff. You're in the championship. You're winning championships. You come back and beat Georgia last year. And yet, there are fans this morning that have put this hashtag out enough that it's one of the top ten trending things right now. Thoughts, Jason Leone, on the fire Saban notion that apparently these spoiled Alabama fans feel that they should say this morning. I got to think part of that's a joke. That will be my guess because Nick Saban is not comparable to anyone that's actively in his profession. He's, he's at the point in his career where he's compared to people that are before him. He's in this category of the Woody Hayes and the Bo Schimbecklers and the, I mean, that's who he's compared to. And, And that's not, Oh, Dabble Sweeney, I guess, became the second coach last night, the active coach that has more than one national championship. Like, that's not a, you know, a shot at him. It just is like, I mean, to give you a, 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 a point of reference, which you know, it's your job, is, you know, Dabble's got two. I mean, Saban's got, what, six uh, championships, national championships. I mean, he, that's that's four more. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. I mean, you can't even say that out loud without just, you know, raising your eyebrows and saying, you know, I mean, it, he is at the top of his profession. And I think once you are at a, at a level in your profession where you're compared with people that you're not even currently coaching against, uh, that just says it all to me about how great Saban is. Yeah, you know, I think I'm reading through some of this stuff. And I, I mean, it's just, but this is the SEC. You know, this is why I said if I was ever, ever in my life a college football coach, or in a life coming up in the future, if I was ever a college football coach, I wouldn't coach in the SEC because Les Miles got fired at LSU for having an 81% winning percentage. You know, you lose, and, and, and why did he get, uh, how, he got fired by the boosters after what? They lost three games in a row for the first time in 40 years or 60 years, whatever it may, I mean, it was the dumbest, they lost three games in a row in one season for the first time in this many decades. Who the hell cares? The guy was 81% effective. 
You know, 81% at Syracuse, you could stay here forever. So, I mean, it, it's just, I guess, you know, it's, it's your, your, you respond to your environments. You you know what you know. You think what you think off of that. But it's asinine to me, Jason. Like you said, you believe some of it's a joke. I'm reading through some of the stuff. And some of it sounds like fans just ripping on Alabama. And then, you know, some of it, you know, maybe has some credence here. There are crazy people that live in this world. And being a broadcaster and doing what you do and networking as much as I network and you being a coach, you know when we're out there shaking hands and kissing babies, we meet some of those people. And some of those people are Alabama Crimson Tide fans that don't want their head coach because he lost a championship game that he plays in every single year. There's 130 college football teams, and Alabama's at the end of the end of the road every year. You have to beat Alabama to get the trophy. I mean, they're the troll that guards the diamond. I mean, it's I don't I don't know why people are mad about this. Oh, I, I, I gotta tell you, they're, they're, uh, they're unbelievable. I mean, I, and I'm a big Nick Saban fan. Like I read his books and, you know, anytime I get a chance to watch a press conference or him publicly speaking, I do it. I think his logic, his, uh, outlook on how to do things, um, his gruff style isn't necessarily, you know, my style, but I think a lot of his logic and how he communicates and coaches his teams. And I mean, I just think it's way harder in sports to stay at the top of the mountain than it is to get there. Um, and I, I just can't ever remember in my lifetime, somebody being better at communicating with his team on how to stay at the top of the mountain more than him, you know? Um, so I, I mean, I just, he's, He's one of my favorites in any sport, you know, uh, doing that. You know, I'd say him and Joe Torrey. I mean, those two guys just, you know, their ability to coach the, the elite athlete, manage people, um, you know, just uh, play at the highest level every single year is just incredible to me. Let me ask you this question. Speaking here with Jason Leone of the Oswego State Lakers men's basketball program. Could Nick Saban coach LeBron James? Because that seems like a, a, a lot. See, <laughs> it seems like wherever LeBron goes, LeBron runs it. Do you think that Nick Saban could get LeBron James to listen? Well, to coach and to listen are two different things. So, um, I mean, it, you know, still when you coach another sport, you've got to know the tactics of the sport. I mean, part of attaining credibility, especially for pro athletes, is you've you've got to be sharp not only in your style of communication, but also in the tactics of the game, you know? So um, that might be a little far-fetched to me, um, but, uh, you know, it'd be very hard for me to say that Nick Saban can't do almost anything, you know? So, because <laughs> yeah. he's very, you know, the, the core thing that all these great coaches do in any sport is they're all incredibly intelligent, you know? So um, what they don't know, they fig- they find a way to figure it out. And, they're humble behind the scenes where things they don't know, they're very willing to bring people in and learn about what they don't know. I mean, look at Saban, the way he's transforming. Think about the success he's had. I mean, all these great coaches at some level have egos, right? Um, the way the college game is transformed in football with um, all of the offense um, and, the, and the hurry up and the no huddling. And Saban was, if you watch his teams at Michigan State and LSU, um, he was – I guess I would say a little bit more 
old school in his approach offensively. And now you look at the way his teams have played, particularly the last two years offensively. Man, that's a hard thing when you're in your 50s and 60s. I don't know how old Nick Saban's is to, to completely change what you're doing. I think that that says uh, a lot about his innovative uh, thought process and uh, putting his ego on the shelf to have people come in and, and help him, you know, change in, in a good way. Well, and here's the thing, you know, you look at Brent Venables and, and you look at the staff of Clemson and Dabo, you know, well, Clemson's ability to keep them all together and keep them happy. And in Nick Saban's case, you know, that, that there's guys that, like you said, bringing guys in, but then they leave. You know, how much does that play into this in, in your mind? Because, you know, the commentators were were praising and applauding the, you know, those coaches that are under Dabo Sweeney in the game that happened in the national championship, they were praising those guys and, and what they did and, you know, how they were running everything. And then, you know, the, the fact of the matter is on the other side of things, Nick Saban doesn't always have that continuity. So, you know, what do you think about that and how much that plays into being a champion and being at the top of the mountain, but not winning this time around, you know, do you attribute that to the fact that, you know, Clemson has a little more continuity than Alabama does? I maybe, but Sometimes you just get beat, you know. I don't. I don't think last night's game should be attributed to like something Alabama didn't do. You know, I, I, now look at they're they're competitively speaking going to sit there and say we didn't do this, this, and this. But you know, sometimes you know, I my parents always taught me. You know, sometimes in sports, one of the hardest lessons we have to learn is you do everything right, you work your tail off, and then you still don't get what you want, right? So it's like, you know, it's it's. You know, I, I don't think people, I, at least I wouldn't if I was an Alabama fan, look at last night and say, okay, uh, this is attributed to something we didn't do right. I mean, sometimes the other team's good and they play well and you just get beat, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I do think a very important part, to your point, of sports is whenever you can have continuity. I mean, just look at like these schools, right? The, the, like Greg Schiano, I saw got let go yesterday. He was making, I think, a million and a half a year as a coordinator. I mean, you look at before, you know, like for instance, I'm a big Syracuse fan. Like what, you know, one of the challenges when you're at a program like Syracuse is keeping your assistants, I would imagine, and heck, you know, probably keeping your head coaches. And, and it sounds like Coach Babers got paid you know, well, hopefully he's gotten paid, assuming he's, or knowing that he's staying now. I think the amount of resources those places have to keep their coordinators and keep continuity, I think is a big part of success, you know, especially at the highest level, you know. So um, I do agree with you in that point, but I'm not sure that really was the, the number one factor in what happened last night with the result. Speaking here with with Jason Leone, Oswego State Lakers, a men's basketball head coach, and and you talk about the fact that you know, hey, you could do everything right, and and sometimes the team on the other side is good. Well, your team is pretty good this year. Eleven games that you played so far, starting things off, and and have a record of nine and two as we step forward here, and as as we stand here in two thousand and nineteen. Just what you could say about the team so far. Far your only two losses came in Atlanta, Georgia, at the end of two. 2018 in the Emory University Classic. Before that, you started off the season with a nine and zero run. Just the thoughts on the season so far? Well, it's uh, it's going very very well. Um, you know, I, I really have enjoyed coaching this particular team. Um, coming off um, 
you know, a down year for us at 14 and 13 last year where we did play well at the end of the year. Um, you know, we had to kind of, um, for the first time in a while, look at some things that we were doing and make some changes and, um, add some pieces. And most importantly, our, our returning guys, we only returned seven this year, had to really get, uh, to work, you know, and, and we had to get back to playing with a chip on our shoulder and, you know, um, you know, I think our guys really did that. So we were very prepared coming into this year. I thought uh, we added some really good pieces that have immediately impacted our program in a positive manner. Um, and we've played well to this point. Uh, we just, as you mentioned, lost our last two games. And we played tonight at home against New Paltz. Um, so I'm excited to kind of hop back on the horse and get back at it. I know our guys are too. We did not play well down at Emory. Um, and uh, for a multitude of reasons. But, uh, you know, we've got uh, all league games left now. We are in first place in our league, which is our ultimate goal is to win our conference. Um, so, um, you know, we're in a position now going, heading into 2019 to hopefully make a run at this thing. Speaking here with Jason Leone, the head coach of the Oswego State Lakers men's basketball program. Uh, Jason, when when you say it was a multitude of things that, that went into not playing well, uh, you know, at the Emory Classic. Just, you know, what you could say to kind of break that down a little bit. You, you played at Emory, and, and then you had, uh, obviously, uh, Denison as well inside of Emory University. What was it about, you know, those two games? What what were the multitude of reasons? What happened down in Atlanta, Georgia? Well, you know, going into the, the first game at Emory, so this was, you know, we – in. Division three, primarily, you play mostly uh, almost all teams in your region. If you're lucky, you know, and, and you have the budget and resources to do so, you might step out of a region once or twice a year. Uh, other than, you know, there's one league in the country that I actually played in in college. Uh, University of Rochester's in the UAA, which is the league Emory's in, where they fly all over the place and play. The schools are nationally based. Um so, bottom line, this was a new experience for our guys uh, getting on a, on a plane. Sounds funny because, you know, Division One schools do it almost every game. Uh, but for us, uh, we do this once every four years, you know. So, we got on a plane right after our guys had to come back, actually, Christmas night. We hopped on a plane the next day, went down to Emory, um, and that was after a 14-day uh, 10, 10 layoff. Um, so, we went down, and, and quite frankly, things that we were doing well – um, we did not do well. Uh, we were in the top five of the country and rebounding margin going into the game. We got out rebounded by both teams. It was the first two opponents that we played all year, Dan, that were able to really match us uh, physically uh, in the interior. And we didn't respond well to that. Um, Emory's been in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight for the last five years. They are a blue blood program at our level. Uh, they were preseason ranked 15th in the country. We, at the time, we're ranked, um, I think, 28th in the country. We were in the receiving votes part of the top 25. So we were 9-0, and and they were licking their chops ready for us on their home court. So uh, we played pretty well. We were down eight with eight minutes to go, and then they, we had uh, some botched coverages defensively. They made three straight threes, uh, three consecutive possessions, and then we got down uh, 18, and that was the final margin. And then, quite frankly, the next day we played a – Denison team that I thought was a good team, but they didn't have a good record. I think they were four and six coming into the game. And, um, you know, we just didn't play. We didn't play with the edge that I'd hope we, we usually, well, that we usually do coming off a loss. And uh, we tripped our, 
uh, stubbed our toe against them. And, you know, they turned around the next uh, three days later and beat Wittenberg, who was 11th in the country at Wittenberg. So they clearly are a quality opponent. And, um, you know, we it, it forced us now with eight days off to fly back up here and get back to work. You know, um, basketball is a funny season. You know, unlike football, um, you know, we've got a couple of peaks and valleys that happen during the course of our season where we've got to kind of get refocused and you get exposed a little bit. Um, so I'm excited to see how we respond uh, tonight. We've had a pretty good week of practice. I don't think we're out of the woods yet, but, uh, you know, we, we've got to get back to playing well here tonight. So you, you take that time, like you said, right after Christmas. Uh, the Just, you know, we, it doesn't get talked about enough, you know, how a, how a team has to just get ready, you know, celebrate the holiday for – a short amount of time and then have to, you know, do what they have to. I mean, Syracuse, for goodness sakes, was, was going down and, you know, and, fly, and, and I know some people don't feel bad for them because they're flying down to Orlando and Disney Town and all that good stuff. But, you know, it's their games on the 28th. They got to practice. So it's not much of a Christmas, not much of a holiday season for them sitting at home with the family and whatnot. How difficult is it in that respect? Do you find that challenging as a coach when you have games that are so close to the holidays and, you know, people want to see their families or maybe, you know, mentally they're, they're there with you, but, you know, uh, you know, in their minds, they'd like to be home. How do you kind of balance everything as a coach? And do you feel like it, it does create a little bit of, not, I don't want to call it drama, but a, a little bit of, you know, adverse situation, knowing that when you're a player, you're playing whenever, wherever, however, and sometimes that affects some of the things that you're used to doing every year of your life. Yeah, I think it is, especially for freshmen, right? So, like, a lot of times if you have a really good program, freshmen aren't playing as much, you know what I mean? So then they got to come back. They're not getting tangible results with playing time. And for us, we've got 15 guys on our roster this year, and six of them are freshmen, and then we've got two new guys. Uh, and then we have uh, – two sophomores that don't play much for us. So like over half our team are guys that, you know, are new or two years into our program that aren't in our normal rotation. So, you know, to have to come back up, I mean, the high school season isn't like that, you know, um, that's a, that's a challenge. Um, you know, in division one and division two, they don't really get these breaks that we do, you know, because they play more games and, they, they have, it's one of those things, if we did it all the time, it wouldn't be as much of a factor if we were here during breaks, if we were flying all over the country. But to not do that, um, look, it's not the reason we lost the game. We lost the game because we didn't run back on defense hard and we didn't rebound the ball well, you know. But, but then there's these, um, you know, extraneous factors, like, that we do deal with it at our level of, um, you know, guys being away from their families and, you know, they're up at our school and there's not much going on for the month. Like we don't start classes until the 28th of January. So that's a four week period that we've got to like keep our guys in a routine as best as possible, you know? So, um, so it, yeah, it's a challenge, you know, it's a challenge to do that. The longer you do it as a head coach, you, you find different ways and you experiment every year with different ways to keep your guys engaged. Um, but it's, it's a challenging type of year, you know, or time of year. So you gotta, you gotta deal with it. You know, nobody's going to feel sorry for us, you know. That coming from Jason Leone, Oswego State Lakers men's basketball head coach. Uh, to look at, like you said, you know, you got some guys on the team, uh, a bunch of new guys on the team, and, and, you know, whether they be freshmen or coming in, and, you know, some sophomores that aren't playing as much. The guys that you had returning 
that had to, you know, like you said, get after it right away. What can you say about maybe some catalysts within that, maybe some leadership within that? Just just what you could say about that group, because your nine and two start, obviously, you know, some some of that gets attributed to the people that are returning and, and went through some adversity last season. So what can you say about that group? Um, well, I, you know, very uh, pleased with uh, their preparation going into this year. Um, I thought last year we we were going into the year we lost over the course of the previous two years ten really influential seniors that not only were key members of our team from a statistical perspective, but also our our loudest voices and most influential most influential voices on the court and in the locker room. Uh, obviously we lost an all American that scored 2000 points as well. Um, so that, that's never easy to replace, but, uh, we just had to take the information we had at the end of last year and just, and, and get to work, you know? So, um, you know, so Liam Sanborn, our point guard, is kind of our engine. Any good team that you see in basketball, I think it's really hard to win at a high level without a good point guard. We have one. Um, you know, he is only a sophomore, but has the um, the engine of a senior, the mindset of a senior. Uh, you can just watch and people. Uh, our players tend to follow him. So it helps when you have him who's in the gym all the time and he works on his body and he's in shape all year round, which is a huge thing in Division Three where we can't work with the players out of season. Um, so he sets a really good tone. Brandon Gartland, another one of our captains who's a junior this year, really took a big step forward. He really committed to his body, to his game, um, and he's playing at an all-league caliber uh, level and then our senior center Tyler Pierre, um, you know, who just he's going to be going into the Marines after this year, which I'm really proud of. Uh, Tyler is just a workhorse for us and is an all league player that we don't have to run plays for because he's such a uh, a hard worker on the offensive glass and really runs the floor. So um, those guys, as big guys, are invaluable when they can score 12 points a game and you don't really have to give them a ton of touches because they'll go get the ball off the glass, you know. So um, those three guys really set a tone for us. Um, and that's not to discredit Tim Marshall, who's a captain for us, who is very unselfish. He's our sixth man, uh, kind of our Vinnie Johnson microwave off the bench. Um, he has the ability to get 20 points in a game without starting. Uh, he's, he really can shoot it. Um, Alan Derudovic, a senior captain for us, who hasn't played much in his first three years, has stuck with it. And now he has a prominent role on our team off the bench, playing two or three different positions for us. Um, and then we have uh, Cal McTighe, a sophomore for us, who isn't getting in the games a lot now, but has really improved. I think he's one more year away from really seeing court time. Um, and then Ish Chisholm, who's battled injuries throughout his first two years. Um, he's a backup point guard for us. So those seven guys really took it upon themselves to set a tone and get back to work. And uh, they're a big part of our success this season. And as you move forward, like you said, the rest of it is conference play in the SUNYAC. You have uh, teams, uh, New Paltz to Cortland, Oneonta, Plattsburgh, Potsdam, Fredonia, Buff State, and you know, and so on and so forth. I mean, in Geneseo, uh, just what you could say about the SUNYAC this season, what you're seeing from other teams on film, just what this conference looks like as you jump into it tonight. Um, well, I think we have uh, some of the teams that in the last two or three years have been towards the bottom of a league have really improved. Uh, we're playing one of them tonight. Uh, New Paltz is six and four. Um, 
they have a viable, really viable starting unit um, that is physical and, uh, you know, they're defending much better. Um, in the last few years when we've played New Paltz, um, you know, it's kind of like one of those games where we, if we had were it's any level move the ball, we we're going to get really good shots every time down the court. And now they are much more physical. They're older. They have guys that, again, use the word continuity. They have guys that have been playing with each other for two or three years now, which is an important part about being good. And um, so they're one of those teams that is much improved. Uh, Potsdam's another one, although I haven't watched them much yet because we still don't play them till next week. Uh, just looking at their scores, they have a winning record. They're doing better. And then, you know, the same four teams in our league seem to, at some level, always you know, rise to the top by the end of the year ourselves. Plattsburgh, who's nationally ranked, I think they came in at 13th or 12th yesterday um, in the top 25. So us, Plattsburgh, uh, Brockport, and Cortland, in any way, shape, or form, those four teams are usually in the top four. Um, and I think this year, so far, well, actually right now, the four of us are in the top four spots. So um, I think the league will be very competitive as it always is. That coming from Jason Leone. Jason, before I want, before I let you go here, uh, we do a little thing on the show that I've done for years called Rapid Fire, where I get to ask you three questions that have nothing to do with basketball. But in fairness, and I don't know any other broadcasters that do it. If they do, kudos to them. But I put you on the hot seat, then you put me on the hot seat. So I ask you three, you ask me three. This is live radio. I have no idea what you're going to ask me. Are you ready to play? Yeah, let's do this. I love these games. All right, perfect. So my first one for you is, if anybody's going to play Jason Leone in a movie, who would play you, and they have to resemble you in some way? I would say my my brothers, uh, either one of my brothers, Greg or Joe. Okay, and, and, and what? who do you think would be better at maybe your mannerisms and, and whatnot? Oh, definitely my brother, Greg. He's got, he's a great impressionist. So he's got me down, especially my, my coaching mannerisms. So he's definitely the guy. All right, perfect. Second question for you is, if you could be any superhero, what superhero would you choose to be and why should they make a movie about you? Or if they've already made a movie, why should they make another? <laughs> I'd probably choose uh, Superman because... Uh, you know, just uh, growing up, that was the, the, the that was the guy that seemed to always win whatever battles he was in. He always came out on top. And then, what was the second part of the question? What you know, kind of to go off of the next movie, even though they've made a movie about Superman over and over again, had different people play. What would make your movie special? Why would it be important for them to to throw Superman out there again if you're playing Superman? Oh boy. Uh, boy, I don't know. It certainly wouldn't be because of uh, Superman's physique compared to mine. I know that. So <laughs> I don't know if I could answer that one. <laughs> and my final one for you is what song would you tell Alexa to play in your house all day long on repeat? <laughs> uh, anything by sync, believe it or not. Fair enough. Listen, I my friend Jimmy Jimmy Roberts, I got to shout him out. We went on a road trip when I was covering the Jaguars Steelers AFC divisional game, and he's like, "I got music for you." And he just he he's like, "Put on your Bluetooth," and he puts on the music. 
He's got every boy band song from the from the nineties, two thousands. He's got all of this stuff all the way through, and he knew every word, and I knew every word, and I wasn't ashamed of it at all. And you know, to the to the female life that was in the car, they looked at us like we were nuts. But you know what? Life is life, and and I I appreciate a man who could admit the fact that not only does he like the music, but that he knows the the words to the music as well. Yeah. Well, very close second, my players will tell you, because they get a, a, a pretty hard laugh out of this, would be uh, something by Wu-Tang Clan, too. So I go the gamut. I go <laughs> a complete 180. So they would. Uh, that was my stuff when I, was, when I was growing up a basketball player. And that's, that's what one of my buddies said to me. He goes, you're the only person in the world that can sing a boys to men soulful song and then Biggie comes on, and you and you want to rap Biggie. He's like, I don't know how you bounce between the two, but you live in that world. He's like, you listen to Drake, you listen to Lil Wayne, and then all of a sudden you're listening to Phil Collins. And I was like, yeah, I got an appreciation for all music. So you're 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 a musical renaissance man. There you go. You got to do that. You know, you got to have the pipes for something other than broadcasting. So no doubt, no doubt. All right, Jason, you got three to ask me when you. All right, I got you. All right, I get I get three, right? Yeah, you get three. Okay, who's your favorite? was your your favorite person that maybe not person your the your favorite interview that you've ever done who was it oh man my favorite interview that i've ever done well i'm proud to say that we have we have had many many voices on this show and oh man i would say hmm probably it's probably an easy one for me if I had to pick a sports figure, and and that would be Floyd Little. You know, Floyd, Floyd to me is a he's a living. I call him the living legend. You know, it's kind of like seeing you know a ghost, so to speak, in the sense of you can't believe that somebody who achieved so much and accomplished so much and is talked about so much in in the history in a positive way of of the sport of football and and whatnot that you can actually reach out and meet this person who's a, who's a statue and shake their hand and, and talk with them. And, and him and I have, you know, I consider him a friend and, and we, we have built this friendship over time and almost 10 years now that I've known him. And he was at the camping world bowl. And we talked after that, I actually didn't air the video yet. I, it's a special I have coming up this week, but you know, just, just him. And you know, every time he sees me, he gives me a big hug. He treats me like a, a member of his family and, so the interviews are great, but the friendship to me is is so much more. And I know it would make my grandparents really proud because they loved watching Floyd Little and and, and all of them out there. And and you know, I, I just for me, it's 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 insane that somebody that you can look up to and just appreciate so much really is a a, a tremendous person and is worth every five minutes I get with them. So I'd say Floyd Little. Great. Okay. Second question, if you could be any coach in any sport, okay, who would it be for Dink? Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney. I would be Dabo Sweeney, and, and, I, would, and I would be Dabo – because there's because I'm already connected to a dance, so I do that. Uh, no, <laughs> but I, I, would, I would be Dabo because – uh, whenever Dabo wins anything, achieves anything, he doesn't talk about himself, and he doesn't talk about the team right away. He spends, you know, time talking about God and faith, and you know, uh, giving it up to God and the glory be to God. And it's it's not something that 
is staged. It's not something that's like, oh, everybody thanks God. It's it's real. And I had the opportunity after he won his last championship uh, this past summer, I had the opportunity to ask him a question about his faith in God because he moved me so much when they hoisted the championship a couple of years ago that they asked him all these questions and he just spent six minutes talking about God. And I, I asked him, you know, about his faith, about his belief, why is it so important? And I will never forget him looking in my eyes and, you know, room full of people answering that question. He's like, that's, you know, that's got to be a question that he didn't expect at all. And, and you know, to, to see it touch lives afterward and, and people that it got out to, he just has a good message. He's a, he's a humble guy. He's a hardworking guy. His smile is genuine. His attitude is genuine. His emotion is genuine. And, uh, you know, above all things, he's unafraid in the world we live in today to say, hey, this, this isn't all me. You know, it's this, this has to do a lot with God and what he put in this team and what he put in this family and what he put in me. So I have nothing but tremendous respect for him. And, you know, like I said to the you know Syracuse fans, my thoughts last night in the championship game, if it isn't this orange, then, you know, you could cheer for that orange because it's one hell of a person that's at the top of that thing. That's good. That's, that's, that's impressive. So, all right. My last, I got one more, right? You got one more. Best, best sporting event, most memorable sporting event you've ever been at. Not necessarily that you covered, but just that you've been at. Most memorable sporting event that I've ever been at. Oh, man. There's a lot of good games. Um, I would say, you know, going to games with my dad, going to the Dome growing up, uh, my dad coming out to Washington, D.C., and going to the ACC tournament. That was cool. And But I would also, I would have to say, uh, two of the ones that are really, really up there, and I did cover them, but it, it's just in general, the AFC Divisional game of the 2017-18 season and the AFC Championship when I went to Pittsburgh to cover Jacksonville and the game as a whole, and then I went to Foxborough to cover the Patriots and Jaguars game because if, for as long as I've covered the Jaguars, which is now on-site, on-location for the better part of a decade I never had that experience. I came in right after they had gone to the playoffs, and so I had not been to a playoff game covering Jacksonville the entire time until last season. So that was a different moment for me. It was crazy to see the fans. I felt like my eyes were an NFL Films video, and I just thought it was it was one of the greatest things in the world to, to realize dreams and, and to actually get to feel the emotions and just the sense of the environment around these games that you always watch on TV and then you get to be a part of it and all of a sudden it's tangible and it's real and you can reach out and touch it and I just I just thought it was a, a different world and it was one of the coolest things I ever got to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's some good stuff. So obviously you weren't at the six overtime Syracuse game against UConn. I was not at the six overtime game. I was with my buddy. I'm going to shout him out. He's on the show a lot. Good guy, a great sportscaster and writer in Northeast PA, uh, Ross Turetsky. Him and he came over to my apartment. I was living in Dunmore, Pennsylvania. And was I. I, was the, I was living in Dunmore at the time, too. You were a student, though, probably. I, I had, well, I had just finished up at Marywood. So I was actually I was living in my first apartment. And the fact that you and I were living in Dunmore and didn't see each other, there's only 14 people in Dunmore. So, I know. I know. <laughs> so the fact that we didn't see. out of Caribbeans for lunch. Yeah, I was like, we didn't see each other at Cinemark or, or at, uh, you know, at, at, at Mohegan Sun or whatever it may be, or the, the mall downtown, mall at Steamtown. 
But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Ross came over, and he, he was exhausted. And he said, you know what, He's the game started at 9. He's like, I'm going to watch the game with you, and then I'm going straight home. You know, I know I, I, I'd usually hang around Buddy, but I'm, I'm tired. i got to get back. So we're watching this game. And they go to the first overtime. He's like, oh, you know, I got to stay. Second overtime, he's like, ah, oh, should I go home? I don't know. I think I'll stay. And it just kept going and going. And then it's 1.12 in the morning, 1.20 in the morning, somewhere around there. And he's looking at me like, how did this game go so deep? So it's one of my greatest moments, I would say, you know, kind of being at home watching it on, on television. But it, it was just, it was one of those, like, I'll come over. All right, I'll stay. All right, maybe I could get home for overtime. You know what? I'll just stay and watch it to the point where it's like, well, at this point, you might as well just stay up because we got that second wind after watching the game. So what was your experience in Dunmore of the game? I wasn't there. I was at the game. Oh, you were at the game for that. Okay. So my experience, and I don't want to get too graphic, but if you happen to be going to the game, and I'm not saying that I was, but if you happen to be going to the game, and like I did with a group of buddies that were college buddies. And uh, the funniest thing was like you go and you think, obviously, you think it's going to be over. And then Devendorf hits the shot. He gets up on the scorer's table. You know, then they wave it off. That was that was as dramatic a moment as you probably saw in any of the postseason games in Division One that year. But then, you know, the, the thing is, is like the amount of people that were still because it was a 9 p.m. game that didn't get started till about 940. And it's UConn Syracuse, so over half the people in the building probably had too many adult beverages. But then, you know, by one thirty in the morning when you're walking out of there, everybody's going crazy, whether you're a UConn or Syracuse fan, stone sober, and then you're so juiced up you can't go to bed afterwards. You know what I mean? So um, it was uh, it was an unbelievable deal. I mean that you know, and I you know I was at the Nebraska Syracuse game in '85. I was at the the game against West Virginia where they Syracuse uh, went 11 and 0. Obviously I was at the Clemson game last year and then, you know, that six overtime game and I, I might be missing a couple, but those four, but the six overtime game was just, that was unbelievable. And I think part of the six overtime game was, was because it was against UConn. It was Calhoun, Bayheim, all that stuff. And UConn, I think was like number one or number three in the country at that point. They had ashamed to beat. I mean, they were better than Syracuse, you know, so it was an unbelievable deal. Yeah. You know, and it was a pretty awesome experience. And obviously I'm sure for you, that was one of the most tremendous, you know, uh, moments in, in games ever. In hit. I mean, does that top it? I mean, I know you mentioned four, but is that the greatest that you've ever been to? Yeah, I think that's number one, barely over like the, the Syrac- you know, that Syracuse-West Virginia game. I know, it, I mean, when they, when Michael Owens scored that two-point conversion i think that's the loudest i ever heard the dome in basketball or football ever um and syracuse the year before was coming off a year that was i think they i think the year before they might have been in the cherry bowl so they really weren't on the map and they came back and drove down and they got the two-point conversion is because they went for two instead of the tie it was such an unbelievable deal. You know, that was a memorable team that just, I mean, it was just, there was a lot of side stories with that whole deal, you know? Um, but I don't know. That's, it was that, that game was probably second, you know? Um, you know, but the, and, and then the, the Nebraska game was unbelievable because at that point in time, Tom Osborne, Nebraska, they were just, 
they were unbelievable. You know, I mean, it was an 85. I was only nine years old, but I just remember the game. It was such a treat to be able to go to that game with my dad and my grandfather. Um, but that six overtime deal was just because it was UConn, because it was. And then to watch it afterwards, the job that Sean McDonough and Raftery and Billis did on the game. That was awesome, too. You know what I mean? Like, those guys were unbelievable. Where, like, even if you weren't at the game, you got the tree to listen to those guys call it. It was it was just incredible, you know? So, um, kind of a fun deal, you know? And the, the thing is about this, if you'll remember, Dan, is Johnny Flynn got MVP of that tournament, and Syracuse didn't even win the tournament. They lost to Louisville in the final. And it's very unlikely for somebody to get MVP of a tournament if their team doesn't win it. So, that's how good... Flynn was in that tournament. Yeah, and it was absolutely tremendous. And I actually got to meet meet Johnny Flynn at Summer League down in Orlando after he had played in China and got to uh, finally speak with him. But there's, I mean, there's some tremendous history in Syracuse football and, and some absolutely, or Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball, absolutely crazy moments and it, it seems like they continue to happen they continue to be there I know the team this year there's a hope that some of those positively crazy moments are going to happen uh, Jason before I, I let you hop out of here do you think that you know Syracuse basketball I mean what 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 is your take at this point do you think that there is a lot of gas left in the tank you know is there a lot that we haven't seen yet is is this team just you know kind of trying to mesh and, and find their find their groove what do you think about the team so far because I know you know you're out there coaching doing your thing for Oswego and, and I know as you know a CNY native that you're paying attention to what's going on as well yeah I watch I watch every time that I can I watch it um I'm a big fan um I'm actually I might be going to the game Wednesday I uh I think they got dealt a bad hand with Frank's injury I think that I mean I've just always been a big believer when you know your point guard let alone a senior point guard you know, that's just, that's very hard to overcome, you know, and I think what that did was that really moved some people around and they got off to a bad start offensively. I know, look, I, I'm i not in any way, shape, or form, I, I don't watch it enough to know, but you know, you're moving Tyus over to the point guard, he's, he's not really a point guard, the Jalen Carey, I guess, got hurt in one of the exhibition games or in practice before the exhibition games, like, they had so many moving parts, right? And then on top of that, the expectations of having five starters back, um, it just takes time, you know? And if you really look at it, okay, okay, they, they had, you know, they didn't play as well down in New York City, okay? But they didn't have Howard, I don't think, down there, okay? Um, and... You know, the guy that played for Oregon, that big kid, Bull Bull, is unbelievable. I mean, and it's the second day of the tournament. And I got to be honest with you, Buffalo's really good. And then Old Dominion, I know it was hard watching that game from an offensive perspective, but they're pretty good. I mean, they really haven't had an awful loss. I just think what you're going to see, typical of Syracuse teams, is they're going to understand how to play in February, March. And the thing that everybody, that anyone needs to understand by now is that Syracuse's tactics are built for February and March. Okay, so when you when they get in the tournament, because I think they're going to be a tournament team, they are going to be much better than what their seed probably will be because of that zone, you know. And um, and I think Ty's battle and Howard will continue to get healthier and healthier. And Brissett, those guys have been there; they've had success. 
Uh, so my opinion about Syracuse is I think you're going to see them continue to get better and better, you know. Um, and if their zone and their defense is going to get better, I think the shots will go in. Um, and they have a Hall of Fame coach. So I fully expect them to be a top 25 team, um, you know, by the end of the year and make the tournament. And, you know, once you get in the tournament, you know, there's a lot of matchup stuff that goes into it. But I would not be shocked to see them in the same position as what they were last year. That coming from Jason Leone, Oswego State Lakers men's basketball head coach and a CNY native. And we have obviously a 9-2 and Oswego State Lakers team that is and 7-0 at home. And they will have the opportunity to defend that tonight, January 8th, at the Max Zeal Stadium at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time against New Paltz. They'll be on the road for a couple before they come home for January 18th of Friday up against Plattsburgh. And they'll be home for a long stretch of four straight home games, and they'll play five of six at home from Plattsburgh all the way down to their February 2nd game on the schedule against Cortland inside of the Suniac, where they're already 4-0 and in the conference. As always, Jason, I appreciate I appreciate the time. I appreciate the fact that this team is, is you know, on the positive side of things. And like you said, some adversity last year and learning from it. I know it's early on in the season, but obviously, you know, I'm hoping continued success and positivity. And I look forward to have you back on the show very soon. Thank you very much, Dan. It's always great to talk to you. I hope you and yours had a, a great uh, holiday season. And uh, I appreciate everything you do for Central New York and for coverage for our, our program in particular. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing you soon and obviously keep doing what you're doing and God bless for tonight and moving forward. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. Take care. That coming from Jason Leone one more time. Oswego State Lakers men's basketball head coach. I promised you in the first hour as well, OCC's Eric Cerrone. We're going to get that ready and set for you, ready on the line here. So we'll take a fast break. We'll come back. Eric Cerrone, OCC Lasers men's basketball head coach, coming up right after this. Thank you to Jason Leone of, of Oswego State. Once again, the team is 9-2, and 4-0 in the conference of the SUNYAC already. The rest of their games of the regular season are all SUNYAC games, and the 7-0 and winning streak they have at home right now is carrying into tonight's game against New Paltz and a hopeful continuation of that and to get to double-digit wins as they move forward. The only two losses that they had were at the Emory University Classic, as we spoke about, against Emory and Denison in Atlanta, Georgia. Before that, they started the season off on a 9-0 run, and they have an opportunity to keep things going in a positive style from here. So make sure you head out to Oswego if you can tonight, and we look forward to everything that's coming up with Jason Leone and this Oswego State Lakers team. Take a step aside. We'll come back with men's basketball in the community, continuing with OCC Lasers men's basketball head coach Eric Cerrone. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. 
with the bamboo line relaxed fit clothing as well as the athletic fit clothing. DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com News, the Press Room Pub, located on 220 Herald Place in historic Herald Square in downtown Syracuse, is where entertainment and sports become one. Trivia is every Tuesday at 7 p.m. with host Dan Tortora. Sports are always on from every angle at the Press Room Pub. The main floor features a full bar and restaurant with two private party rooms, featuring games, a colossal television, and more. So head out for lunch, dinner, or a drink and plan your parties with the Press Room Pub. 220 Herald Place in downtown Syracuse. Call 315-569-4345 for more information. The press room awaits you. Thank you so much for listening into this Oswego State special on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Make sure you're listening in live to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com backslash DT and on the homepage where the MixLR feed is embedded as well. You can listen to Wake Up Call live Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on WakeUpCallDT.com. And you can also see the archive of all the shows, over 1,100 shows in the archive. You can check them out by going to the Podbean app, which is right there on WakeUpCallDT.com. You can also check out Wake Up Call on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, the RSS feed, Stitcher, Tune in radio and so much more. You can find us on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. Thank you so much to Jason Leone of Oswego State and all of those involved with Oswego State Athletics that have been on this show and will be on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. I appreciate you very much and God bless to each and every single one of you. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>